Bleep bloop. Good morning, Ollie. What? Radiohead? Whoa. What time is it? It is 12.55 a.m. Oh, man. Thanks a lot for waking me up, pal. You are welcome a lot, Ollie. No, that was sarcasm, Radiohead. Remember sarcasm? I like sarcasm. Bleep bloop. Uh, you... you do? Yes, I like it so much. It is my favorite thing in your galaxy. Wait, um, are, are you... Please use more sarcasm. More, more, more. Okay, that's that's enough, Radiohead. Not funny. It is so funny. Ha, ha, ha. I, I don't believe this is happening to me. Then you will really not believe why I woke you up, Ollie. Oh, it wasn't to torture me with robot sarcasm. No, Ollie, it was to torture you with a fantastic all-night Quentin Tarantino film festival bleep bloop. What? I can see from your brainwaves that you are now very awake. You will have trouble going back to sleep. Hey, that's not very nice, Radiohead. But it is funny. Bleep bloop. I don't think this is funny. I think this is painful in a lot of different ways. Quentin Tarantino would think it is funny because it is painful in a lot of different ways, like torture. You know, that sounds really perverse, Radiohead. I made you coffee here. What? No, I don't want any coffee. Please try it, Ollie. I made it especially for you. Oh, fine. This is terrible coffee. Ollie, I have decided that people like what hurts and demoralizes them. Who taught you that? Tarantino. Then why would I ever want to watch any of his movies? Do not worry, Ollie. Our first film will no doubt be a happy story of several canines near a large reserve of water. Reservoir dogs. Ugh, I feel sick, Radiohead. And I've got to get ready for work. If you feel sick, maybe you should cancel work. Bleep bloop, you can use it to finish watching. Kill Bill Volume 2 with me. What? No way! I can't take any more explicit violence from this twisted Tarantino guy. Ollie, don't you mean you cannot take any more sickening violence from this twisted movie nut genius who turns low art pop kitsch into masterful, luxurious moving picture epics? Wait a minute. Have, have you been reading Brett McCracken articles again, Radiohead? I like movie violence, Ollie. Kill. 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 Bill. Uh, how can you possibly justify that, Radiohead? Because Quentin Tarantino's films exemplify an incarnational aesthetic. Okay, I'm just... No more repeating blasphemous things that Brett McCracken says. Ollie, you almost seem violent. I thought you liked violence, Radiohead. Only in the movies, Ollie, because then I can imagine it happening to someone else. It is very aesthetically sanctifying. It's very what? Aesthetically satisfying. That is what I said. I did not say that other thing you heard. Radiohead, no! I am going to cut off your ear. You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome back to Sound of Sanity for another week of Christian Sanity, telling you how to be sane as a Christian. My name is Nathan Amerson, I'm your humble and obedient host. We've got engineer and producer Ben in the his house. I'm in his house. Benjamin. Engineer and producer. Jay Solzini at this point. What you got another upgrade. No, I thought, I, I was only trying to give him the upgrade that he already had. Oh, man. I keep getting upgrades. Co-producer? I don't know what you yeah. are. Some guy that works on the show, Benjamin Solzer. I'm here. And of course, we've got Pastor Jacob Menzel. How you doing, Jake? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, Jake. I'm excited today because we are going to talk about one of our old pals on Sound of Sanity, a man that wrote an article called 
the joyful longing of carpool karaoke. Paul McCartney's carpool karaoke. Yes, the joyful longing of Paul McCartney's carpool karaoke. People can dig through the archives and they can listen to some of these episodes. We won't bother explaining too much about them today. But the point is, we've, got, we've got another Brett McCracken article, guys. Could it be? Oh, it could. Ha ha. Well, this is a really important... <laughs> It's a really important news item that, <laughs> that we're cracking for the viewers right now. We're, we're, we're cracking it wide open. Listener, you ought to bet on it. I mean, bet on it. Boo. <laughs> All right, so let's introduce this article by Brett McCracken in a little segment I call Introducing This Article by Brett McCracken. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Introducing the Article by Brett McCracken. Now, Ben... Tell us what the title of this article by Brett McCracken is. Brett McCracken's a writer for the Gospel Coalition. I think that's all you really need to know about him if you're coming to this cold. That's right. He is a writer for the Gospel Coalition. His article is called Once Upon a Time and the What If Power of Movies. You know, I should say he's a senior editor at the Gospel Coalition, and he is author of such books as Uncomfortable, The Awkward and Essential Challenge of Christian Community, Gray Matters, Navigating the Space Between Legalism and Liberty, and Hipster Christianity, When Church and Cool collide. He lives in Santa Ana, California with his wife, Kira, and his son, Chet. Now, Ben, I need you to tell us about this article, Once Upon a Time in the What If Power of Movies by Brent McCracken, which was released in the Gospel Coalition a little while ago, now August 16th, 2019. Whoa. If I have to do that, Nathan, I can. Because this is an article by Brent McCracken about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is the newest Tarantino movie. The Mm -hmm. ninth Tarantino movie came out uh, this summer, and this article is about how well, like a number of articles Brett McCracken has written, it is... It's a celebration of the film. It's a celebration of Tarantino, Yeah, I wanted to say. It is a celebration of this movie in particular, but this guy loves Tarantino. And As he's made clear in numerous places, including articles in Christianity Today, he has a Quentin Tarantino tag on his personal blog. That's right, and he was, follow, he was a... He, read I his think, review of The Hateful Eight and mm-hmm. some other stuff. That Christianity Today article comes from a, a book... He contributed to called Tarantino and Theology. Tarantino so he, the- Theology. He's actually contributed to a book. Was the chapter called Tarantino and Theology, or was the book called the Tar- book? So the he's book? actually written a book on Tarantino, or at least been he one contributed. Of the he was one of a many essayists. So big time Tar- Quentin Tarantino fan. Yeah, absolutely. And he these let me let me just read a couple of things that he says. Quote: Tarantino's film is nothing if not joyful, but in celebrating cinema's eternity glimpsing power. Once Upon a Time ultimately only stokes the fires of our desire for a better ending. The satisfaction of its ending is powerful, but provisional. We leave the theater pleased with the catharsis we've just witnessed, but then we remember it is fiction. Still, insofar as it inflames our longing for injustice to be addressed and death to be reversed, it is a refreshing, meaningful film. Yeah, so when McCracken says things like, our longing for a better ending, that's a capital B, capital E. Right. Not that we wish this movie ended better, but he's alluding to the end of all things. No, I think we might, we might be a little bit more on board with this article if he said we wish the movie ended better, but <laughs> no. Yes. I'm sorry. Perhaps I should have set it up. I, I, I don't know how much setup we actually need to do here because the only point that I really want to make about all this is that he's talking about cinema's gleeful provocateur, Quentin Tarantino, a man known for his violence and his, and his bloodlust. Yeah, his delight in violence and violent acts on screen. And he is saying things like refreshing, meaningful. So this movie, if, if you haven't heard, spoiler alert, I guess, what Tarantino does is he takes the Manson family murders and he rewrites the ending to history. He makes it so the Manson 
clan gets theirs, gets it's a very violent comeuppance instead of Sharon Tate, who was actually murdered, and her friends who were murdered by the Mansons in the Helter Skelter. Whole situation that happened back in the summer of love, or the end of the summer of love, the end of the era of love. A lot of people say it was, so it's a... It must be true. It's a, well, yeah, if a lot of people say something, it must be true. Speaking of people who say things, Brett McCracken says things like, Indeed, and it's much talked about, what if ending reminds us that movies are an inherently eschatological medium. Then he goes on to talk about beautiful scenes, cinema's haunting power to arrest death, and he says, when the film's inevitable violence does come in the final 20 minutes of a two-hour and 45-minute runtime, it's as bloody and extreme as expected. Thank you for admitting that. But, but, oh, I want to read the next part. He says, watching the Manson killers face their vicious imaginary comeuppance, and it's, what I understand, it's uh, completely graphically vicious and as much as you can be. Anyway, yeah, let's see. The face of vicious imaginary comeuppance in this way is unapologetically satisfying. Mm. Okay, Brent McCracken really likes watching this. And then he quotes another guy, David Brentley Hart, even worse. who wrote about it, and then he is even worse, and he wrote about it in the New York Times. He says, the, the, Hart says, the scene gives, quote, glorious expression to perfectly righteous rage, transporting the viewer into some other order of reality, if only an imaginary one, where ethereal sweetness has survived and horror had perished ethereal sweetness my understanding is that like he's clubbing people's heads off and bashing their brains in yes not not off screen but on screen not not to disturb our listeners but we see mr brad pitt bash a woman's head in now she's one of the manson killers so we're supposed to feel okay about this but we have to sit through a gruesome head being bashed in among other atrocities committed to bone and flesh in this wonderful movie which Brett McCracken, Ben, you look like a man who... I, I just want to I wanna read from the article that McCracken quoted from some more. There's some stuff he didn't quote. Yeah. And it's an article by, did you already say his name? David Bentley Hart. David, David Bentley, Bentley Hart. Hart, yeah. Right, who is not a trustworthy Christian guide. Let's see, quote, I admit that it came as a shock of relief and an immense emotional pleasure when in the much-discussed ending of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Tarantino's version of the story unexpectedly veered away into some other dreamlike better world where the monsters inadvertently passed through the wrong door and met the end they deserved. Torn to shreds, bludgeoned to a pulp, burned to a cinder. Even the violence delighted me. I thought it gave glorious expression to a perfectly righteous rage. End quote. So maybe we should really be doing an article going again after this Bentley Hart. But I, I think the reason we're not <laughs> going after him is because your average Christian reading that. That was published in the in the New York Times. We're talking about something that's published on the Gospel Coalition. Right. And yes. if some, your average Christian who reads that is going to hopefully at least have some pause, say, oh, glorious expression of violence. That, right. that bothers me. If you read Mr. McCracken's article, you might just think this was a good movie that you needed to go see. He, he goes on, this is McCracken now talking about Hart. He said, Hart eloquently captures how movies at their best could give concrete pictures of the otherworldly presenting unreality in ways that weirdly feel more real than reality, like Tolkien's Middle Earth, Lewis's Narnia, or all manner of other fictions and fairy tales, the dreamscapes of movies feel truer to us than waking life. Why? Because they give stirring expression to the reversal we long for, the curse reversing reconciliation and renewal that fallen creation, us included, needs. Far from scoffing, and I'm just going to finish reading this article, there's one more paragraph. Far from scoffing and dismissing the what-if fantasies of the narrative arts like Tarantino's masterful film, what if we valued them for reminding us that longing for a what-if reversal of the curse is exactly what we should be doing, 
What if we saw these common grace expressions as fertilizer for the soil of the gospel? Let me just read that sentence again, guys. Hmm. What if we saw these common grace expressions as fertilizer for the soil of the gospel, the special grace of knowing the real Aslan, the man Jesus through whom the curse of death is replaced with the gift of eternal life? What if movies like this are not indulgent escapes from the real world, but important invitations to ponder, discuss, and point people to a more real world? So you're saying not only can I watch John Wick 2, but I can feel kind of righteous about it. Well, well, you can listen. I think what we can do, based on the way McCracken approaches, approaches Quentin Tarantino, is indulge in any kind of art so long as it provokes in us a sense of longing for something good, no matter how perverse the thing presented to us. The more depraved, the better, actually, because the more it makes us feel that uh, longing, that that incarnational expression. Well, I mean, guys, all sin after all is just a twisting of something good. And so let's just indulge in absolutely anything because it's all an expression of this longing. Why would we make these works of art? Why would we make these films? If it wasn't because we were seeking after something bigger, we could watch them all. They are all pointing to something bigger. And and the masters like Tarantino are really great and eloquent at it. So Mm. let's baptize it all. Throw in some C.S. Lewis and Tolkien uh, mumbo jumbo. Talk about the Aslan that we're... Throw in the name Aslan. Wave our hands and talk about our fiction feeling more true than reality. And then boom, we're there. We can watch and, and take in anything we want to. Well, okay. I understand that this is dumb and bad, but do you guys really think that ordinary Christians are going to be seduced by this kind of nonsense? There's a reason why it is published on one of the largest conservative quasi-reformed websites in the world. These guys, like even 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 what I just read, it obfuscates the reality of what he's talking about so much that I think a lot of people listening are going to say, okay, well... You know, he's got a point, though. And it's like, no, he's talking about Brad Pitt bashing a head, somebody's head in. And he's saying that this is something that teaches us something about Jesus. I mean, just to well, say, it in, say it in very simple language and that arouses our emotions in a direction towards God, towards Jesus. Towards righteousness. Towards righteousness. Maybe, maybe the devil is going to bring this up if he happens to show up, which he probably won't. I mean, nah, we've, I mean we've, we've been be... off the air for so long, he probably... Well, that alarm the, the, must the, have raised well, it by now. Devil's we've advocate. moved since then. We right. have moved. So the, uh, I, not the devil, the devil's advocate is right. probably forgotten. Anyway, but uh, don't this, I mean, the Psalms talk about this kind of thing. It, yeah, the smashing vengeance. their children on the rocks. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah, yeah. Bab- the children of Babylon. Well, let's do this, actually. Let's take a step back and let's make the best argument for Brett that we possibly can. I mean, I know the devil does is going to do that if he shows up. Okay, let's uh, do can, it. Can, let's, let, let, let's, in fact, uh, see if we can't disarm the devil by admitting a few things. Number one, stories do point towards truths, right? Yes. Point two, the Bible has a whole lot of violent imagery. The Bible does have a whole lot of violent imagery. Blood coming up to the... Mm-hmm. Bridles of horses, Jesus treading out the winepress of the wrath of the fury of God Almighty, his garment stained with blood. Mm-hmm. It says, what does it say about the saints rejoicing as the smoke of the wicked goes up? Isn't, aren't we just getting a little taste of, of what we'll actually be like in heaven as, as we rejoice at the sinner's demise? Aren't we actually getting a little bit of that when we see Brad Pitt violently dispatch these bad people? Yeah, and Psalm 137 was what I was alluding to earlier. 
How blessed will be the one who seizes and dashes your little ones against the rock? Something we're supposed to be singing about. Something we're supposed to be singing about. All right. Have you ever read the book of Judges? I have read the book of Judges, Jake. It has things in it. It does have things. We it don't, has we, a lot of We, we won't even mention it. them on our in, PG-rated podcast here. Well, let's, let's maybe, let's just ask a question. Should we make those things into movies? Graphically explicit movies? Well, Brett McCracken says we should. Or at least wants to allow for the possibility that we can... He should. I mean, I don't think that you read that uh, quote from him about, oh, an artist's responsibility in terms of depicting this kind of stuff, did you? Oh, that was in a different article. I believe that was about Django Unchained or one of the other Tarantino movies. Mm. And, okay, so Brett asks, quote, Should artists be given free pass to depict the extremes of ugliness when their only purpose is to convey a purported verisimilitude to the reality of the world in which their story is set? In short, yes. I believe that insofar as an artist honestly sets out to tell a story that is truthful to the world in which it is set and to the real struggles of its characters, that it is their right and even obligation to not shield us from the darker elements. As I wrote recently in Relevant Magazine, something about the way the world is that is difficult, risque, R-rated, tells us that to be truthful, art must grapple with dark. As filmmaker Akira Kurosawa once said, the artist is the one who does not look away. Unquote. Cool. Well, we could spend time, a lot of time pick, pick, picking that apart, I guess. I guess we could. Do we really have to? I mean, Isn't that kind of a waste of time because it's so obviously awful? For one thing, he just makes an assertion without really having anything much to say about it. He says... But guys, isn't that the problem with cheap... Isn't he putting his finger on the problem with cheap Christian kitsch? That it's all Thomas Kincaid stuff and you got to have freedom and responsibility to depict the dark things of this world as well and not just lie about the world as if it was all I think made this, of light. I think that's the, the you got a problem with the excluded middle there Jake ah the old excluded middle <laughs> my old friend <laughs> surprised to see me <laughs> uh, yeah. capes are gonna come back that's right <laughs> yeah, speaking of graphic violence <laughs> <laughs> well gee actually that's a good point I know and if anyone's ever listened to The Ville or any of our story podcasts I think we can assert that the three of us are not against we don't shy away from the darkness Christians telling stories about the dark side or acknowledging that it exists but mm-hmm. there's a tasteful way to do it and I suppose Brett McCracken might not disagree with that, but his definition of tasteful and our definition of tasteful is... Well, his definition of tasteful embraces uh, graphic scenes of torture and murder as being useful to our worship of God. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Is it Does it help me worship God better and love him more to watch Tarantino show someone bashing someone's head in in the most graphic way possible? And McCracken is basically saying it's holy. I mean, right? If we cut to the chase, isn't that what his words mean? I mean, that he's, it's using holy. Word, he's using big words like incarnational aesthetic and stuff. But yeah. the impression that you could walk away with is certainly that... He certainly approaches these films with reverence and awe. He yeah, wants I, us to approach them with reverence and awe. I, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think he does think uh, they're holy. Film is, a, film is the shrine where Brett McCracken worships. Yeah. yeah. That's something I remember being warned about when I was a teenager that, hey... When you go see a movie, it's kind of like being in a, in a cathedral. You're being flooded with images and sound, and you'd better pray and have some discretion, have some discernment about what you're actually taking in. And so this guy is telling me and any Christian who reads him, no, no, no. You just need to think of it in Jesus terms. Once you master the Jesus language and learn to wave your Jesus wand over everything, take enough holy water with you to sprinkle, mm-hmm. and you'll be able to baptize it all. No problem. You have to have the right perspective, though. 
That's right. Brett's perspective. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You have to have the right language. <laughs> That's right. The right perspective slash Brett's, Brett's language. You know, Brett's it, language. it did just occur to me. Maybe this is a question for another episode, which maybe we never have to do this other episode. But uh, how do you reconcile the Christ-like compassionate gaze, which is which is apparently so important with whatever, however Tarantino was looking at? Oh yeah, the cinematic, the, the Christ-like, compassionate cinematic gaze oh, of Terrence, that's Malick. Terrence Malick. That was the other article we did. We yeah. should explain to people. He's a huge fan of both Tarantino and Malick, and what he yeah. loves about Malick is that he Malick has a Christ-like gaze. He has a I mean, Christ-like gaze. And that's not me in the being a, making a snarky. No, uh, no, 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 that's, no, no. That's, that's, that's exactly that's a quote what he says. Yeah, yeah. And so the perspective of the camera, the filmographer, the God who's watching and telling and crafting this story, is Christ-like and full of compassion, and that's what's so awesome about. Terrence Malick and what's so awesome about good movies. Well, and, and that's hmm. just, that's fascinating to me, the the cognitive dissonance there, because I will admit I've seen a Tarantino film or two in my time. What is absolutely striking about them, above all else, I would say, is their lack of compassion. Yeah, that's what... We live in a world where violence is funny. Is cold and funny. Is cold and funny, and people's, you know, like the famous scene that probably more than our more of our listeners than would like to remember, have seen or remember, is from Quentin Tarantino, where Samuel L. Jackson accidentally blows the guy's head off, and it's played for laughs, and it was a big deal back in 94 when that movie came out. That made Tarantino's career, right? Like, the big moment hmm. from his filmography is someone's head getting blown off very graphically, and it turning into an extended comedic sequence mm-hmm. where we're not supposed to take it that seriously. And if, if I if I were McCracken, if McCracken were here right now, I think he would say, well, there actually are a lot of compassionate moments in Tarantino. Yeah, and he'd be crazy. I mean, I, yes, I grant you that he would say that, and I don't know where he'd get off saying that because... I'm trying real hard to do this. It's, it's possible <laughs> well, you know, in Reservoir Dogs, you feel film. the tension of... You don't, though. You <laughs> no, feel you like, hey, this is awesome. This is fun. There's pop songs. The bride is killing... So let's take Brad Pitt bashing this poor woman's head in in Once Upon a Time this in Hollywood. This poor woman, you mean that that poor that poor, that monster? Well, here's the thing. Okay, I, if Brett McCracken <laughs> was writing about Terrence Malick, I'm sure he'd be the first to write something about the Christ-like gaze sees all of us with compassion. Mm-hmm, but right. then Tarantino is is able to willfully, not just willfully, but gleefully dehumanize this person, make them into an object of scorn a a A monster a a monster a bucket of blood that just needs to be spilt i mean that's all this woman becomes that's not christ-like i like to think christ is compassionate okay so so mccracken says yeah fine i like i like two different things i like two different things i like malik and i like tarantino and I was writing about the different reasons I like. I mean, isn't that what he would say? I'm sure he I would. like the book of Re- Revelation and I like the Gospel of John. Well, 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 Gary. Is it Lance Redford? Lance wants to rent a movie, does he, Walter? Want to rent a movie from the video store, Lance? Well, you guys have accurately discerned why I walked into your movie store. Hmm, I don't know, Lance. Why would you really come to the movie rental store? Real patron of the local mom-and-pop shops, are we, Lance? Don't know how to find a red box, Lance. Never used an app to find a red box, Lance? Know what an app even is, Lance. Stands for application, Lance? It stands for application, Lance. Only use rotary phones, do we, Lance? Operator, this is Lance Redford. Please connect me to someone from the 21st century. (laughs) 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 Cell phone. Guys, like every, I don't know why I feel the need to justify myself to you idiots. Just listen, man. I wonder why I didn't go to Redbox.
Are you wondering, Lance? Wondering what the internet is, Lance? Oh, wondering about the WWW, Lance? Wondering how a telephone can fit inside your pocket, Lance? Wondering where your Geritol is, Lance? Did you forget your cane, Lance? Guys, I just want to rent a movie, please. Want to rent a movie, Lance? Just rent a movie, Lance? And a movie is what to you, Lance? A man farts and then he gets hit with a hammer, Lance? Is this entertainment to you, Lance? A man what? No! It's just our family movie night. We want to catch up on Star Wars before the new movie comes out. You'll have Return of the Jedi somewhere, right? Return of the Jedi, Lance. Big space opera fan, are we, Lance? Big fan of children's entertainment, are we, Lance? Everyone likes Star Wars, come on. Do they, Lance? And Citizen Kane, I suppose, is a good movie, Lance? I thought Citizen Kane is a great movie. Better than Fellini's La Dolce Vita, Lance? Better than Fellini's Eight and a Half, Lance? Better than Fellini's La Strada, Lance? Better than Fellini's Amaracord, Lance? Better than Fellini's... Oh, will you shut up? Don't like foreign films, Lance? Are you maybe the foreigner, Lance? A foreigner to good films, Lance? To good films, Lance? As in quality cinema is a foreign concept to you, Lance? Listen, do you have Star Wars or not? I don't know, Lance. Do we have Star Wars? Do we have Star Wars, Lance? We've got Dustin checks in, Lance. It's about a monkey in a hotel, Lance. Hence the titular phrase, checks in, Lance. The eponymous phrase, checks in, Lance? Checks in, Lance. Like how you check in a hotel, Lance? With a monkey in it, Lance. Seems like your kind of movie, doesn't it, Lance? Fart, 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 Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. Oh, for Pete's sake, will you just show me how to get Star Wars? Is that what you really want, Lance? Yes, that's what I really want. What I don't want is a garbage foreign film I have to pretend to understand and like in order to feel better than all the stupid poor idiots who just want to watch a fun movie with their families. Would you like to maybe check out the Tarantino section, Lance? What? He speaks English, Lance. You ought to be able to understand most of it, Lance. Although some of the words might be a little too big for you, Lance. Some of it might go over your head, Lance. What? I'll go over your head. Why don't you bring back the... Why don't you bring the manager out here? You might only see cinematic violence, Lance. You wouldn't understand the sublimity, Lance? Fart, 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 Lance. You wouldn't understand the gospel common grace expression, Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. You wouldn't understand the visceral brushes with eternity, Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. You wouldn't understand the curse reversing reconciliation and renewal, Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. Oh, shut up. Just shut up. Why are you guys such jerks to everybody? Hi, fellas. Hi, Lance. Hello, Chip. You guys got any movies with farts in them? Huh? You want a movie with farts, Chip? Lots of juicy farts, Chip. Fart, 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 Chip. That'd suit me fine. No problem, Chip. Anytime, Chip. We reserved Alvin and the Chipmunks for you, Chip. Part two, Chip. The squeakful, Chip. Oh boy, I love them Chipmunks. <laughs> you fellas are the best. What do I owe you? on the house, Chip. Anything for you, Chip. Oh, for Pete's sake, are you guys serious? A so-called popcorn movie can be amusing, Lance. When approached from an ironic perspective, Lance. Some things are better with quotation marks, Lance. Okay, fine, just give me Alvin and the Chipmunks part three, I guess. Chipwrecked, Lance. You've sunk to a new low, Lance. Should have stuck to Return of the Jedi, Lance. Fine, then just give me Return of the Jedi. It's already checked out, Lance. Oh, did we forget to tell you, Lance? Fart, 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 Lance. Fart, 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 Lance. Ah! Well, I, th- I think the way to get at this is to delve a little yeah. bit more into the gospel of Quentin Tarantino mm. in a little segment I call The Gospel of Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> 
everybody, welcome to the Gospel of Quentin Tarantino. We're going to give you some statistics and some information on old QT himself, the prince of indie film. All right, now guys, our research assistant gave us a little chart here. Let's just start here because I want to talk about Quentin Tarantino. And this is an awesome chart of all the terrible things that happen in Quentin Tarantino's movies. So it's got like a little emojis of guns and dynamite and kitchen knives and samurai swords and snake bites and dog attacks and suffocation and scalping and strangulation and five-point exploding heart techniques and fire and collision. It's just got little check marks for how many times these things happen in his movies. Now, how would you guys sum up what is displayed to us on this graphic? Looks like there's a lot of killing and violence but i mean i don't know i don't know it seems like most things have a lot of killing and violence i I think what this what what distinguishes this chart from say law and order is like scalping and eye gouging and well in the degree to which like if you're gonna if you're gonna go on screen body counts as a guide you're gonna end up with a whole bunch of movies that have cgi aliens right 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 okay filling up your body counts right and often from a distance or if on screen in the background like as other things are happening right right and it's going to be in a war scene like in a, in avengers or something like that and, and, and we Tarantino, could argue to be fair to be fair we could argue before you get there we could argue that it does inculcate a kind of callousness in us and in, in our children to watch avengers movies where there's always some nameless faceless foe that just gets that's that is by definition inhuman or or and, and just there to be there to be slaughtered blown up. one after one after one you know they can they can yeah. blow up slaughter the droids kill. in star wars right. right we can have that argument that's not what we're talking about and i think you're about or to make... nameless faceless stormtroopers or whatever right but the difference in tarantino is that when he does it we're going to ha- have the close-ups we're going to linger we're going to watch the point isn't that people are dying right or that aliens are dying because the good guys are winning. The point is, let's now pause and watch. It's like the Joker in uh, The Dark Knight when he's talking right. to what's-his-face. You know, I love to savor all the little moments. All the little details, yeah. All the little... Mm. You fi- people reveal who they really are. Talking with this like savory, like it's delicious to watch the light flicker out of somebody's eyes as they realize the horror of what's happening to them. Mm-hmm. And that's what Tarantino does is he lingers on those moments and gives you brutal, gory, violent, terrifying death scenes that he frames in almost comedic terms. Right. Well, there's a big difference between the way that you shoot a movie or shoot a scene or shoot a moment and the way you edit it and the way you score it and the way that you the special effects you use and everything else when the story you're trying to tell is John Wayne won. You know, you watch an old John Wayne movie, he shoots a guy, the guy falls over. The story point that's being accomplished there is John Wayne won, the bad guy lost, now the bad guy's dead. These are the narrative elements that are in this scene. You watch a Tarantino, it's actually not about that. It's about the bullet went in, the person is scared, the person is horrified, the person is screaming, the person is falling. Blood has splattered all over the wall and all over the face of the killer. And I think we have to introduce a category that I just don't hear Christians talking about that much, but it's a biblical sin and it's bloodlust. People like to watch people die. People Mm -hmm. like to see blood spilt. I I guess we don't like to talk about this because it's a very ugly reality of a Quentin Tarantino movie or or just of, of, of who we are as people. But we 
like violence. People get off on violence. They enjoy it. There's a reason that the John Wick movies are made more violent. It's not just about John Wick shooting people. It's about let's put in some scenes of him stabbing someone or uh, dispatching someone in a particularly nasty way because people want to see that stuff. They enjoy it. They like it. I don't know how else to keep to say this, but yeah, it's like, okay, what's going to be, is there another John Wick movie? Mm -hmm. Oh man, I can't wait to see what that knife battle is going to be like when it comes to the knife battle in the John Wick movie. Right. Because what's cool about the knife battle in the John Wick movie is that there will be that much more blood all over the place. And I like action movies. I like adventure movies. I like movies where people are doing martial arts feats of daring do. There's a big difference between that, I would say. Some Sometimes the line is negligible, I'll be the first to admit, but there is that. And then there is the point of the scene is death and enjoying death and enjoying blood and being titillated by it. And these are things that are titillating to people. And maybe some of our listeners are tenderhearted and think, how could that be titillating or it's not titillating to me? But all you have to do is see the success of someone like Quentin Tarantino, see the success of certain action movies that actually aren't about action, but are just about gore of horror movies. You know, in in my day, it was the Friday the 13th movies, which don't have good plots, don't have good scripts, don't have interesting characters. All they have is a guy in a cocking mask killing people in different ways. And you go and watch a movie like that with a big audience. What they do is they cheer and they don't have any empathy or love for the characters. They just like to see the teenager's get killed in interesting, gruesome, fun ways. And if somebody takes off their top in between, so much the better. And that's not an exaggeration. That's that's, that's the way I, these I, movies it, are made. If you talk to a horror fan, they'll tell you that's what they want. That's what they like. If you talk to a good horror director, they'll tell you that's what they provide. And that's what they're being paid to provide. And that's what they enjoy. If you have the nerve, come for a night and stay for a nightmare. Motel Hell. And then people will say, well, it's different than violence in real life. What I want to say to that is, okay, then why does it turn you on? Like, if it's that much different, if if it really is, as you want to tell me, just a depiction of CGI or of little plastic uh, arms that we've built, you know, know, if 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 it's just movie magic you're watching, then... What's so enjoyable about movie magic? What's enjoyable is it's telling a story that you can get emotionally involved in. And the emotion is titillation at violence. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, okay. Let's bring in a, a, a connection. And the connection isn't on the production side. The connection is on the consumption side. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's connect this to pornography. On the consumption side, what is it that you want to see when you come to porn? You want to see something that is not for your eyes to see. Mm-hmm. You want to see forbidden sexuality, right? That's what you want to consume. And when you come to a Tarantino film, what do you want to see? You want to see murder. Right. Violent, gruesome murder. That's what you want to see. Something that is forbidden. You want to enjoy on-screen murder because in both cases, it's cathartic. Now, we can flip around to the other side of the camera and talk about the difference in the morality of what's being produced. People are actually engaging in illicit sex acts. Right in porn. People are not actually killing other people in a Tarantino film. Okay, but let's set that aside and let's just talk about what drives you to go to the theater. What is it that you want to see exactly? And how different is the one from the other in terms of what you want to see? Well, a small minor point I would make is that a lot of pornography is actually simulated. Oh, very much so. It's not, it is very much acted and 
acted, produced with their own kinds of special effects and all that sort of stuff. Right. Uh, especially the more illicit kinds of pornography, although some of it's not so simulated too. But right. if your only objection to pornography is that real people have to engage in some of those acts, that's a pretty actually that's a very good point but it's also a pretty paltry point compared to the scope of what's actually wicked Mm -hmm. about pornography yeah and what's wicked about pornography is that god made sex and you're spitting in his face and god made life and god made life he put his image in people that's what you're watching that's what brett mccracken is saying has this incarnational aesthetic that's what he's using these kinds of words about is a scene of brad pitt bashing somebody until the God-given image that's stamped on them is stamped out and debased and uglified and destroyed. The other thing about how it's done, too, is it's like, okay, if we're talking about justice, you know, righteous judgment, which Mm -hmm. is what the language that McCracken uses, okay, let's have these people actually commit the crime, and then let's have them stand trial, and then let's have them executed in a just and lawful way. Because that is the degree to which human beings are to execute the judgments of God. Vengeance is God's. God will repay. Right. And when that vengeance comes, it will happen on God's terms in God's way, and it will be righteous. But for us, there's only justice, and justice involves due process. Right. It doesn't involve somebody with a club or whatever he used. Uh, preemptively. Preemptively bashing somebody's yeah. brains in so that we can all feel better about our lives. Well, and people are going to say, okay, so you've never enjoyed a movie about somebody fighting back or somebody getting revenge or somebody protecting the question their isn't family. whether or not one the question isn't whether or not you've enjoyed a movie like that the question is whether or not it was right to enjoy a movie Absolutely. like that that is mm-hmm. a very fair point and then to what degree what kinds of things are right to enjoy so yeah. i mean it's just not the same thing but what i always want to say to young men and i'm sure i've said this on sound of sanity before is there ought to be something that you say no to. And the, the the thing that you never get from somebody like Brett McCracken is, this is the movie that I walked out of. We could argue about where the line is, but can you at least show me that you have a line like, this is too much. And that's that's a pretty paltry, do you, I guess that's my word of the day. That's a pretty paltry thing to ask. Like, we should be going farther than that. But my point in saying that is, we if generally don't even that. get that far. Like, we could, well, we could sit here and we could argue about, like, what kinds of movies reinforce our bloodlust. what kind of movies are actually about justice when we watch a john wayne movie it, it, does it mean this when when this happens in a movie we could have that discussion but we can't even have that discussion because people just want to well here's the problem that you're addressing implicitly right the corinthians write to the apostle paul and they say what's permissible is this permissible is that permissible is this mm-hmm. permissible is that permissible and he comes back and says what a stupid terrible question Maybe instead of asking if this is permissible, like what's underneath the question, is this permissible, is the implication, what can I get away with? How Mm -hmm. far can I go? And he says, that's the wrong question. The question isn't, is it permissible? The question is, is it beneficial? It's not how bad can I be, but how good can I be? Even the way that you frame that, what you say, Mm Which I, which I agree with. You know, there's got to be some place where you're saying no. All the, but all that's really actually asking people to do, though, is come to the level of asking if something's permissible. Right. Like, because what you've got with Brett McCracken is no, no, not even a question of is this permissible, but only how is this permissible? 
how is this beneficial? I like it, therefore, how is it beneficial? Not, is this even permissible in the first place? Right. And the reason that this always makes me mad is because I think simple Christians read something like that and they feel confused and they feel oppressed and they feel put upon because you watch somebody's head get batched and your natural reaction is to say, well, that's not permissible. That's not good. That's not edifying. And then you have a guy talking- This turns my stomach. Yeah. I feel bad about this. Yeah, those are th- that's what you feel. And then you have a guy just blithely talking about it as if it's not only edifying, but like the most edifying. Right, and, and, then, so and then, then you're truly simple and then you come to that and you're like, well, something must be wrong with me. I must teach myself- how to see the good in these sorts of things. Well, and then he, I mean, he just conflates all this stuff like, oh, there's going to be cosmic justice for evildoers. Well, therefore watching this this guy bash this evil woman's head in, that's a part of cosmic justice, which means it's like watching the work of Jesus. Right. It's a massive, massive jump in logic. It's, it's a massive jump And in he logic. papers over it and what these guys do and what McCracken you know, I don't even want to give him the credit of saying he's a master of it. He's a hack. Right. But what what they do is... Hacking. Got him. Brett McHacken. Yep. He, into, he would be a great character in a Tarantino film. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine Tarantino reading all this? Oh, he'd get a big kick out of it. I actually do think that Tarantino has the same pretensions, intentions for his movies that McCracken and David Bentley Hart are picking up on in terms of like what they can do. And so I think along with the love of bloodlust mm-hmm. comes an actual sentimental desire to remake the past. I mean, isn't that really clear? Yeah, that is a major theme. I, I, I think that's yeah. true. And I think especially uh, in Glorious Bastards and Jingle Django Unchained. Unchained and this one, they're all explicitly about taking something from history. If, if people don't know at the end of Inglorious Bastards, they just blow Hitler away. We get cathartic revenge on Hitler of the type we never had. In Django Unchained, a slave gets cathartic revenge on the slavers in a way that never happened. And in this movie, we get cathartic revenge on the Manson clan in a way that never happened. And in all three cases, I think what Tarantino's actually saying, and, and Brett wants to baptize this, but what Tarantino's doing, if you want to talk about authorial intent, Brett McCracken type people like to use words like that. The authorial intent is vengeance is mine, <laughs> Quentin Tarantino's. Let me rewrite history in such a way that, like, if I was in charge of it, Hitler wouldn't have got off with a suicide. He would have been yeah. blown away by... This is the way the world should have been. Right. If I was in charge of history, Abraham Lincoln, you know, we wouldn't have gotten rid of slavery this way. The slaves would have... And I actually saw an interview once with Tarantino where he talked about watching Roots. You guys remember the old miniseries yep. Roots with mm-hmm. LeBar Burton? And at the end of it, I, I've actually never seen Roots, Me but either. at the end of it, I guess the slave that's been beaten and mistreated and put upon by the slaver actually grabs the whip from the slaver. And I think it's, you know, he's been freed. And then they they stare at each other and there's this long dramatic pause. And then the slave character throws down the whip and walks away. And Quentin Tarantino remembers that being an indelible moment from his childhood where he said, no, get him. (laughs) You've got the whip now. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So Tarantino is full of actual hubris. And these men like David Bentley Hart, who's an Eastern Orthodox Christian, by the way, he's not an evangelical. It's probably why you've never heard of him. And and Brett McCracken like are first like, things. yeah, right. Unless you like first things. And these guys are like, let's baptize that hubris 
for the sake of Jesus. And how are we going to do it? Well, the way an Eastern Orthodox person would, which is by layering incantations over it. And talking on and on about metaphysics and, I mean, basically, like, David Bentley Hart is, like, totally unbiblical. All that he says is, like, anti-biblical. But Brett McCracken is trying to make you think what he's saying is from the Bible. Right. And that that's what I was, you know, trying to say when got a little, we got, got a little sidetracked earlier, which is that it's just hack phrase after hack phrase. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That sounds spiritual and sounds smart and sounds philosophical and sounds like he's got some aesthetic chops, but really it's just, he's just a pretentious idiot. A lot of the problem with, with the arbiters of culture is th- they use big words and they de- they end up deceiving simple people because they have accidentally mastered the art of talking the way simple people think smart people <laughs> sound. Yeah. When you do that, when you master the art of talking the way simple people think smart people sound, then you can deceive a whole lot of people with your vocabulary and with your waving of your hands. And a lot of the New York Times does this sort of thing all mm-hmm. the time. Any New York Times movie review is just a bunch of stupid people talking the way that simple people think smart people should sound. And then it sells. You know, a lot of tripe gets sold that way. Well, and, what, and a lot of what we're trying to do and what we try to do with that sort of thing is just demystify it. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Because when you demystify it and when you take away some of the big words, it's actually so lame it, and small thin. and paper thin. What, what it often is, and it just blows my mind that people that they get away with it, but oftentimes modern academia, oftentimes modern critical theory, you'll read these things like by Burt McCracken and... What it comes down to, if you remove all the mystical language, is I associate some feelings that I feel with this thing. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, it is associated with that thing. That's, there, there's no other argument. There's no other logical, there's no other syllogism well, beside yeah, yeah. Tarantino well, did some the things. Force. They reminded the me of some things. The driving force is, this made me feel a way that I like. Right. Well, right, that's the driving force. Yeah, yeah, this made yeah. me feel a way that I like. And what it does is it, it ought to make you scared of Brett McCracken's relationship to God. Because at the end of the day, what we're talking about is a man who walks around looking for things that make him feel a certain way, for stories that mm-hmm. make him feel a certain way. And if all the gospel is to him is a story that makes him feel a certain way, that's a pretty scary place to be in. That that it, And so you've got, you've got kind of a vicious circle there because... The way he feels, it sounds like these, whatever, transcendent longings he feels are what he associates with the gospel. Right. That's what you're saying. Right. So he and starts, so that tells you something about that's right. what he understands about the gospel. Right. Right. And so he can just keep, he's just basically giving you a loop. Like, this is what I felt. I associate with the, this with the gospel. Therefore I associate it with this movie. The gospel Therefore, comes down to a feeling. I also feel this feeling towards this other thing. Therefore, right. this other thing is the gospel. Right. And my way of understanding and interpreting the world is lining up all the things right. that make me feel ways that I like. Right, right. And harmonizing them all. <laughs> and now my job for you is to harmonize all the things that make me feel a way that I like with Jesus. Right. That's right. And, the, and, 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 to, and to say about all the disturbing content in Tarantino's films that it reminds it, like, this is blasphemous almost even to quote, but mm. in what McCracken says about the hateful eight, mm. I just, I cringe to even repeat a version of this. People just need to hear it. They need to know what he says. 
Because it's going to sound to people like we're just, being mean. I should, yeah, yeah. Just, I should just, just read just, this quote. I mean, I, and I'm sorry, people. I actually am sorry for having to read this. Yeah, while, while Ben looks that up, I just want to make the point here, uh, or just finish making the point, which is it's what, what, baffle, what baffles me about all this, what blows my mind. It would be one thing if it was bad argumentation, but there's actually like, there's no argumentation. It is simply just here are some thought experiment feeling associations. That's, right. That's, That's right. all this article is, yeah. but it's but it has all this these 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 four syllable five syllable words that can make you think that can make me think that can make all of us feel like there's a little bit more weight and heft and gravity to what he's actually saying and it's just it would be fun maybe we'll do this sometime mm-hmm. to simply reduce every one of those words to the one syllable version and see how this actually read yeah because there's not there, there's not much to it that's right. anyway ben yeah okay so this is uh, the only argument of any sort in this article about the hateful eight is brett mccracken noting that Quentin Tarantino frames a really significant establishing shot or two using a crucifix in the foreground in his movie, The Hateful Eight. So crucifix, just to remind you, if you're an evangelical, actually has Jesus, the crucified Jesus, on it. Um, As opposed to just a cross. As opposed to just a cross, right. And that's typical of, uh, that's ubiquitous in Catholic churches. Right. Okay. And so he is trying to construct a mountain out of this one shot of the crucifix. And he just insists on seeing the whole film that way. So here's how he concludes. Quote, where does Jesus Christ fit into all this? His crucified visage looms poetically over the whole ugly affair. But to what end? Whether Tarantino intended it to or not, I see in the crucifix the one true hope for reconciliation in a world torn apart by violence, revenge, greed, and injustice. In the cross, man has hope of being reconciled to God, no matter what he has done, but also hope to be reconciled to his fellow man. Despite any dividing walls of hostility that inevitably exist, The Hateful Eight is a violent, hate-filled film, devilish in its chaos and arguably nihilistic in its assessment of humanity. And yet, there is Jesus, there is justice, and there is the faintest glimmer of hope for the desperado wretches and criminal mavericks who spill each other's blood, a man whose own spilt blood spells forgiveness for the unforgiven and deliverance for the depraved." End quote. That is just quite simply blasphemous, and it's a giant stretch as far as... It's so arguably nihilistic, for one. I mean, come on. (laughs) Arguably. (laughs) If Tarantino puts a cross, or a crucifix, rather, over his bloodbath, it's ironic. It's cynical. That's I've not seen Hateful Eight, but... Well, now you're judging judging Tarantino's intentions, Jake, instead of looking at it through gospel eyes. Nicely done, Ben. <laughs> See, the, you two could play this game. <laughs> me and Brett McCracken can both play this game all day. But here's the thing. Let me let me read a couple quotes from Tarantino oh, because Tarantino is the first person that would laugh, I think, at a lot of this Brett McCracken oh, stuff. Yeah. Quote, violence, this is from Newsday in 1994. This is back when Pulp Fiction came out. Quote, violence is just one of many things you can do in movies, Tarantino said. People ask me, where does all this violence come from in your movies? I say, where does all the dancing come from in Stanley Donnan movies? They'd be singing in the rain. If you ask me how I feel about violence in real life, well, I have a lot of feelings about it. It's one of the worst aspects of America. In movies, violence is cool. I like it. So it sounds like Tarantino is almost saying that he just likes violence in movies. I think Tarantino almost (laughs) has been quite articulate and clear about that. Tarantino (laughs) is... He almost has. Nothing, if not a guy who likes to talk. Yeah, and and here's a quote that makes it obvious that Brett McCracken has taken his line of... Or at least Brett McCracken is in the Tarantino line when it comes to art and an artist's responsibility. Uh, This is from from the Chicago Tribune and... 
1993. But still, this is a movie, Tarantino says. I guess that would be about Reservoir Dogs. Is that right? Anyway, I don't but know what, what year which, is this? What it is? 93. Mm-hmm. Um, the Probably. bottom line is, I'm not responsible for what some person does after they see a movie. I have one responsibility. My responsibility is to make characters and to be as true to them as I possibly can. End quote. Right, which is exactly what Tarantino or uh, what uh, McCracken said that an mm-hmm. artist should do. There's an article from The Observer, again in 94, when Pulp Fiction was, he was just, everybody was, the violence was a little bit more new and exciting feeling back then. So exciting, I say, ironically, but everybody was more shocked by it. So there was a lot of, it got a lot of press and he had mm-hmm. to do a lot of interviews. Quote, to say that I get a big kick out of violence in movies and can enjoy violence in movies, but find it totally abhorrent in real life, I can feel totally justified and totally comfortable with that statement. Unquote. Now, I actually think that's a better argument than anything McCracken would ever mm-hmm. say. Yep. He wants yep. to just sanctify it. Tarantino just asserts, and I don't know, he doesn't really have any evidence or anything, <laughs> but at least his assertion is what do you want to say? A bold faced. You know, Tarantino's not yep. not as not as much of a hypocrite. Tarantino just wants to say there's violence in movies, there's violence in real life. I like the one. I don't, I don't like, like the, the other. other. Yeah, and you don't have to they don't have to be associated. So like in an interview with Jake Tapper. He says, at a good time when I was a kid watching these movies, I have a little joke, but it actually is kind of true that kids who watch violent movies, again, who like them, not that you force them. But if the kids will respond to that naturally, it won't make them a violent human being when they grow up, but it could very well make them violent filmmakers when they grow up. I just like seeing violence on screen. I like putting violence on screen. I liked it when I was a kid. I like it now. And that doesn't make me a bad person. And kids watching this stuff, if they like it and they respond to it naturally, they're not going to go out and kill people, but they might go out and make them violent movies because it's fun. Mm-hmm. So yeah. McCracken watches these gleefully violent movies, and he wants to turn that into, well, it's all about Jesus or something. At least Tarantino. I mean, Tarantino is still a hypocrite, and he's still a fool, and he's still a liar. But at least his he just tells one lie, right? <laughs> right, which is <laughs> yeah. it's fun. Right. McCracken, I think, knows it's fun because he wouldn't enjoy these movies or get anything out of them unless he thought it was fun because well i mean both mccracken and bentley hart basically are saying man we wish those we wish those particular acts of horrible violence that we saw on screen had really happened in real life because that would make them even more enjoyable right I mean, that's 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 explicitly what hart says and that's the implication of what mccracken says and that's what tarantino is doing did not, uh, yeah that's what tarantino denies would be good <laughs> right i don't think he really does i think he's already inconsistent basically well, yeah, because he but, showed us uh, what he wants. Well, sure, but at least by what he's saying. Well, basically, he gave a lot of interviews saying violence in movies is not the same as violence in real life before, you know, back in the old days through Kill Bill. But then he went and did a bunch of historical revisionist movies that are basically just, I think, Tarantino saying this is exactly how the world should run. It yeah. should be my style of justice. And my style of justice doesn't allow for any kind of compassion, any kind of judgment that's made by any higher authority than just if somebody wrongs you, you blow them away. And McCracken wants to take that and he wants to sanctify it. And I just, I'd have so much more respect for McCracken if he just said he liked it. If he just said, these movies feed my bloodlust and I enjoy that. <laughs> he just said that. I wouldn't be a writer of the Gospel Coalition. Nathan. Well, he might not be, but I don't know. I mean, if he just said, what if he wrote, he could write an article for the Gospel Coalition about how he feels bad about it? Even I don't know. I he mean, could say, yeah, yeah. He could he could say, or he could try to say, bloodlust is a thing indifferent. Christians want to enjoy it; they can, and 
this is just a dodge of the real issue anyway, which is, do you love your neighbor? I mean, that would be another gospel coalition, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, do you have compassion? That would be a better one. For those one. who suffer. Yeah. That would be a better one. Be a better Let's one. just argue in favor of bloodlust. Let's, we could assert all kinds of terrible things and argue for them, and they'd make more sense than these weird, mystical, vaguely C.S. Lewis-inspired articles for the transcendence that we find. But I think he knows that that's what's going to play best for people because it just, instead of actually addressing the issue one way or another, it just fogs it and allows him to just like what he likes and sprinkle a little holy water on it. I don't know. Anything else to say about this? No. Thanks for listening, everybody. Santa Sanity Today was produced by Nathan Albertson, executive produced by Jacob Menzel and Nathan Albertson, associate performed <laughs> by Benjamin Solzer. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time, stay safe.